Let's pray tonight and let us use that song to pray that Jesus truly will take his place in our lives, his peace and every other anxiety will fade away when the peace of Christ takes his place in our hearts. Let's ask the Lord tonight, that's our heart desire, that your peace will rule our mind, will rule our spirit, and every fear, every anxiety, every care, every doubt will fade away when the peace of God takes possession of our hearts. Father, we thank you tonight. We trust the Lord. You heard a heart cry tonight and you would answer us. And our prayer, Lord, is that your peace will truly flood our hearts so that every care, anxiety, fear, doubt will fade away and we will rest in your peace. Thank you, Father Lord. As we study tonight, we trust that your Holy Spirit will teach us and we'll leave this place knowing that you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, we'll pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are continuing in our theme for the month. And our theme is the covenant of peace. And uh, for today, our topic is Jesus, our peace. But before we go in, I would like us to just read all of those, our team texts again. It's nice to always read it so that that way we are always reminded. So the first team text comes from Ezekiel 34, 25 to 26. Ezekiel 34, if you like to read, feel, please feel free to do so if you've opened it. Ezekiel 34, 25 to 26. If you are there, do we have the mic around? Yeah, the mic is around. If you are there, please just feel free to read. Ezekiel 34, 25 to 26. Somebody is calling for the mic there. Then somebody else can help us with Isaiah 20, 54, verse 10. And the last verse we'll be reading is John 14, 27. So whichever you are at, you can just read. Which, whichever you have with you. Any okay. of the three passages. Yeah. Ezekiel 34, 25. I will make a covenant of peace with my people and drive away the dangerous animals from the land. Then they will be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. Thank I will you. bless my people mm. and their homes around my hill. And in the proper season, I will send the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're now taking Isaiah 54, verse 10. Yeah, we have it on the screen. You may wish to read it if you... Isaiah 54 and verse 10. Go ahead. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, said the Lord, who has compassion on you. Thank you. John fourteen twenty seven. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Thank you very much. From our teen text there, we see God assuring us of peace. What I love about these three passages is the fact that God tells us that it's not a temporal thing. I'm not telling you something you will have for now, and then maybe after some time you will not have it again. It is something that you are going to always have. So today we'll be looking at that topic, Jesus, our peace. And then we have quite a number of texts to read here. I'd like us to read all of them before we go into the introduction. So the first one is in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. 
Romans 5, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure for a good man, so would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 11 and last. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Praise thank, God. Thank you. We'll be taking now Ezekiel 37, verse 26. You found it and you like to read. Ezekiel 37, verse 26. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. Thank you. The next verse will be passage we'll be reading is Ephesians chapter two, verses twelve to fourteen. Ephesians chapter two, verses twelve to fourteen. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who had made both one, and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Thank you. And the last passage we'll be reading for the text for today will be Isaiah 26, verses 3 to 4. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. So I, I wanted us to take time to read all these passages because we'll be referring to them as we go along in this study so that at least we can have a background to this. So um, our senior pastor has um, tried to define what a covenant is, you know, and I'm just picking some of the things in his outline. A covenant is a binding agreement. So I say, therefore, the covenant and peace is like a contract which describes the terms and the conditions of God's peace plan for mankind. Peace, what he also describes as shalom, is the positive presence of harmony, wholeness, soundness, well-being, and success in all areas of life. Um, this definition is very important because sometimes we think that peace is just, um, I don't have any problem. That is what peace is. But we, are, we know that peace is much more than that. You know, sometimes when you say to yourself that, when they say um, the whole of your system, when medical people say is at peace, what they are trying to tell you is that everything is working well. Every system in your body is working well. Everything is working well. So it's not just that I have peace of mind. I am sound, there's harmony, I'm together, there's wholeness, that is what peace is. And sometimes we may think that, oh, peace may be, oh, I don't have any trouble, I am well, I'm not sick, I have all the money that I need, then I have peace. If that is what is peace, then all rich people should have peace. Is it true that every rich man has peace? Is it true that everybody who is not sick has peace? Uh -huh. So peace is not just, oh, I have all that I want. 
Peace is not just that I am rich or I'm feeling well. It's much more than that. It is something, you know, that God himself gives. That, that is who Christ is. And as we study this, this evening, we'll begin to look at that. Today I was just looking at trying to find out this covenant of peace. You know, sometimes we hear about a lot of covenants that God has given us in the scripture. And I started to think, is he, to try to look at places where Christ actually talked about the covenant, where the scripture talks about the covenant of peace. And I was able to find four that I put here, where God actually declared that, yes, I'm giving you a covenant of peace. And I would like us to read it. The first one is in Numbers 25, 12 to 13. God gave this promise specific to somebody, Phineas. I'd like us to read it. He made that promise to Phineas. Yes. Thank you. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. That's in. And he shall have it and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. If I maybe should read from 11, go again, so that you can know who God is talking about. Maybe we should start okay. from 11. 11. Mm. Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, had turned my rot away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. That's 11. Mm -hmm. 12. Then 12. Wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. And he shall have it and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Let us not conf confuse this Phineas with the son of Elio. They are two different. You know, that one was a, a different man. But this Phineas was the son of Eli Eliza. And we know that Eliza was the son of Aaron. So they were the priesthood, they were the chief, the high priest. And he was the first person that God made his covenant of peace with. And what did this man do? The children of Israel were very rebellious and God was angry with them and wanted to consume them. And then he stood in from the, for the children of Israel. And that's why God said that. He says, because this man turned my anger away from the Israelites, since he was zealous for my honor among them, that I did not put an end to them in my zeal or in my jealousy when God was angry. He says, so I'm going to give him a covenant of peace. And as we will see later on, you'll find that this man actually became a very peaceful man. There are about two other places in the scripture that shows what this, what this high priest did to always broker peace between God's people and, and God. So the second one we read is in Isaiah 54, 9 to 10 about the covenant of peace. Isaiah 54, 9 to 10. Isaiah 54, 9 to 10. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I saw that the water of Noah would never flood <clears throat> the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. 10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord, your compassionate God. So that's the second time the Lord is mentioning about his covenant of peace, and he was saying that to Israel. He said, no matter what happens, that's what I love about this covenant of peace. He said, I will not remove that covenant of peace from you. The next one we are going to look at is in Ezekiel 34. 25, which is also one of our team, team texts. That's when that covenant of peace was mentioned again. Ezekiel 34, 25. We've read it before. You can go ahead and read. I will, I will make covenant of peace with them and eliminate dangerous creatures from their land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. Then the last one was also being that Ezekiel, so you can just continue. 37 verse 26. I will, mm -hmm. Go ahead. I will make a covenant of peace with them 
It will be a permanent covenant with them. I will establish and multiply them and will set my sanctuary among them forever. Amen. Amen. You see, God promising, he says, this covenant of peace is an everlasting one. It's one I will not change, change my mind. I will make sure that they have peace. It is God's desire that his children should live in peace. He established the covenant of peace to assure the children of Israel of his peace despite the danger around them. You know, the children of Israel were living in amongst people who were always fighting them. And within them, even within them, they had problems. And also with us today, through his son, so that he can establish his peace in our hearts. Jesus himself is our peace. In him we have peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our mind. And that's what we are looking at today. In the Old Testament, Jesus gave them a covenant of peace. Today we have Christ Jesus and he's our peace. He's, to, he's giving us that covenant of peace so that our hearts would always be at peace. A kind of peace that the world cannot understand. So we're going to be looking at this outline today in three, just three simple um, headings. The first one is the covenant of peace. The second one is Jesus our peace. And then the last one will be peace within and peace without. So the first one is the covenant of peace. I just want to take us back to that story about Phineas. You know, when this high priest decided to stand like a peacemaker between God and the children of Israel. And because of that, you know, God, God was so pleased. Because God mentioned two things there. He said, he defended my honor. And what God means by that is that, you know that, like when um, Moses was pleading on the children with, with God, on behalf of the children of Israel, he told, he told God something. He said, if you do this now, what will the people say? He said, God brought them out and couldn't take them there. You know, your honor. And that's what he described. He said, he was zealous for my honor so that I do not have a name that does not befit me because I was angry in, in my jealousy, in my zealousness. You know, because he was like, what is wrong with these people? Despite all that I have done, let me kill all of them. But this man stood, and then God said, you know what? I'm going to give you a covenant of peace. Not only for you, for all your descendants. You people will always have peace, and you have a generation of people who are always at peace. So, let us look at Joshua 22, 13 to 34. We may not read all, and see how this man continued to be a man of peace. Joshua 22. Joshua 22. 13 to... 34. We may not read it. When I get to somewhere okay. convenient, we may just drop it. But that's the, the whole story. Okay. The Israelites sent Phineas, son of Eliezer the priest, to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. They sent ten leaders with him, one family elder for each tribe of Israel. All of them were heads of their ancestral families among the clans of Israel. They went to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead and told them, this is what the Lord's entire community says. What is this treachery that you have committed today against the Lord God of Israel by turning away from the Lord and building an altar for yourselves so that you are in rebellion against the Lord today? Wasn't it the iniquity of Peor which brought, plague, brought a plague on the Lord's community enough for us? We have not cleansed ourselves from it in, even till this day. And now you will turn away from the Lord. If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the entire Israel. But if the land you possess is defiled, cross over to the land of the Lord to the land the Lord possesses where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession of it among us but do not rebel against the Lord or stand against us by building for yourselves an altar other than that 
other than the altar of the Lord our God? Wasn't Achan, son of Zariah, unfaithful regarding what was set apart for destruction, bringing wrath on the entire community? He was not the only one who perished because of his iniquity. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh answered, and the heads of Israel answered the heads of the Israelite clans, the mighty one, God the Lord, the mighty one, God the Lord. He knows, and may Israel also know, do not spare us today if it was in rebellion or treachery against the Lord that we have built for ourselves an altar to turn away from him. May the Lord himself hold us accountable if we intend to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings on it or sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. We actually did this from a specific concern that in our future, your descendants might say to our descendants, what relationship do you have with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us, descendants of Reuben and God, and you have no share with... Let's go to 29. Okay. We've heard the story. Let's go to 29. Okay. 29. We would never rebel against the Lord or turn away from him today by building an altar of burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord our God, which is in front of his tabernacle. When the priest Phineas and the community leaders and heads of Israel, Israel's clans who were with him heard what the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today, we know that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this treachery against him. As a result, you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's power. And then the priest Phineas, son of Eleazar, and the leaders returned from the Reubenites, Gadites, in the land of Gilead, to the Israelites, in the land of Canaan, and brought back a report. And the Israelites were pleased with the report, and they blessed God, and they spoke no more about going to war against them to ravage the land where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. So the Reubenites and Gadites named the altar it, for it was a witness that the Lord is between us, that the Lord is God. So we see, we see this high priest continue to be a man of peace. There would have been war. But he sent him, he took his time to listen, and he told the people, it's okay, let's go back home. You know? And we also have an account of him too in, in Psalms 106. We can go home and read that. You know? He became a peaceful man. And uh, I want us to just compare that with what God says to us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Yeah. Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. You know. So the covenant of peace introduces peace into our lives, makes us peaceful, and also makes us peacemakers. That's what we become. Then this, the, 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 the second part of this talks about Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We have talked about Phineas, who was a man in the Old Testament that God gave a covenant of peace and he began to make peace. But now we see Jesus, that's the perfect one. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 is the one that describes Jesus as the prince of peace why because jesus came to proclaim peace to all nations we can see that from zechariah 9 10. zechariah 9 10. if you see you can read for us zechariah 9 10. are you there yeah go ahead And I'll cut off the chariots from Ephraim and the horse from, horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow, bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak, speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even to the ends of the earth. Yes, the NIV says he will proclaim peace to all the nations. You know, that was a prophecy about Christ as the Prince of Peace. Luke 2.14 tells us that Christ brought peace to the earth. Because when the angels were talking about him, they said, peace be unto the earth, Abby, because of who Jesus was. 
Then the most important one to us today is, the Bible tells us that he's the one that established peace between God and man. Because there was an enmity between God and man. Jesus established that peace. And that is in Romans 5.1. I would like us to read that. Romans 5.1. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the one that broke up peace between God and man. That's how we come to peace. So we're now, we'll be looking at the second part of our outline that says, Jesus, our peace. Jesus is our peace because he went to the cross. He paid the ultimate price for our sins and the sins of the whole world. And that's the first one we read just now, that Jesus is our peace. The presence of Jesus in our lives is the source of peace. Because the Bible says he's our peace. He's the one that broke out peace between us and God. The fact that Christ is in our life is that presence is what brings peace into our lives. That's what introduces peace to our life. Because without that, we are, we are enemies of God. We, we are not at peace with God. So his presence is the one that brings peace into our lives. And Second Thessalonians 3.16 tells us, that he's the one that gives us peace at all times and in every way. Peace at all times and in every way. Sometimes you may be wondering, is it really possible to have peace at all times? Is it possible to have, we'll have our times, we'll look at those questions, is it possible to have peace? The second part says, those who believe in him are baptized into him and become participants in the covenant of peace. That is how you enter this covenant of peace. You first must accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and then you'll be, you'll be able to participate in the covenant of peace. You will be a party. You know, you'll be able to be a part of that covenant of peace. And that covenant of peace and the fact that we have peace is also the reason why we can carry the gospel of peace. That's what the Bible tells us. Because we have peace, we too can carry the gospel of peace. We can go about to bring others to Christ. Just like Phineas was. He had received the covenant of peace. So he too can give out peace. That's what we too can do. The fourth passage, the peace Jesus gives does not take us out of trouble but gives us confidence that he's with us always as we go through troubles. I'd like us to just pause there and maybe talk about this. We said peace doesn't mean that everything around us is fine. If the peace that God gives us does not take us out of trouble, of what use is that peace? Or does the peace that God gives us immune us from all trouble. We don't get into trouble because we carry the peace of the prince of peace. Or yes sir. This is not really theoretical, it's better experienced. There are experiences you go to in life and you yourself you're surprised you're not ruffled um, people around you are wondering why are you so calm you yourself can't explain it because it's like god envelops you like he says in philippians he garrisons you it's like a shield that guards your mind so that the anxiety maybe the pain and you you ought to have felt you don't feel it I think it's something better experienced than explained. It's like a, a wall that, that the Lord puts around us that irrespective of the things that are going around us, be a loss, maybe turbulence, somehow you're not ruffled. Even yourself can be surprised. Why am I really so calm? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let me ask, 
When Jesus was here on earth, did he have trouble? He did. Okay. Share with us. What was his trouble? No, give him give him microphone now. What was his trouble? Okay, praise God. Uh-huh. What yes, praise. go ahead, go ahead. What was his trouble? Okay, so yes, I mean, based on the Bible based on my reading the Bible, I saw a lot of things that by my own understanding, I can see that is trouble. Now give me one, you know? just one. For example, his, uh, his uh, altercation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees most times, that he was either teaching, and they always stand up to him, you know, to talk him down, and that leads to arguments and all. I still see that as a kind of trouble, you understand? So, yes, he did face trouble. Okay, another person, tell us trouble. Um, on the person, like he mentioned about ministry on personal phases. When Jesus was alive, when he was alive, he saw people he knew die. Like I'll give you an example, like Lazarus. The Bible described Lazarus as a friend of Jesus, and then Jesus was away, and then this young man died, and Jesus heard the news. That would have shook the human being that was Jesus. That's one trouble. Another trouble I can think of was the fact that he had to go on that cross. It could not have been easy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, these are very good practical examples. Any more? Jesus, who? Jesus, yeah, we'll go to the disciples. Jesus. Yes, ma. Give it to me. He was betrayed by Judas, who was um, one of his apostles. Okay. So, now, the Prince of Peace. You know, the one I used was... Uh, um, the one, the one I have here is um, the one in I think it's, it's in uh, I think it's Luke, the one about his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's trouble now. He said, Ah, I wish this cup can just go away from me. It was not, it was not something pleasant. It wasn't something pleasant. He prayed. It was, it was, it was tough. Of course, he knew he came to die, didn't he? know? It was a plan from the beginning. And like some of them said, he had brilliance. His friend died. Out of compassion, the Bible said he wept, Abby. Not because he didn't have power to raise Lazarus, but he saw, he saw pain and sorrow around him. He saw that the people he loved were in pain. So Jesus himself had, you know, he had problems. But my second question was, did he take away his peace? Did he take away his peace? Why? How can you prove that he didn't take away his peace? He kept on moving forward. Yes, sir. No. Ah, more people now. What? Yes, ma. Let's give it to the Sankechi behind. Yes. He didn't take away his peace. Okay. One of the troubles that he had that wasn't mentioned was when he was in the boat. Yes. With his disciples. Mm. And then the storm was rolling all over mm. the place. Mm. So, because he knew the outcome, he knew all that would come out from what was going on. He had peace. The storm he rebuked. When he had prayed to his father in, in Gethsemane and you know, uh, gotten that um, assurance that he'd be, you know, of being reunited and he accepted God's will. He knew how much God loved him. Mm. Uh, loves him and and that no matter what happens he's going to be with his father praise, praise the, the lord. lord yes let's give it to the king inshallah um Mr. just so far when lazarus was sick mm. and he said uh, he should come mm. he did not take away his peace and say ah i have to go immediately he 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 possessed this is it not was like a normal like, let me say like a was to human being say somebody is sick that is close to me and first yeah let me carry my bag go yeah let's go he did not he took his time and when they when they say where we will have come here the dancer is dead he did not panic and say crying and say yay or something so it, so we find out that in jesus lifetime just like we are he had he faced situations too that could have taken away his peace. He had trouble too. But he, he, he has peace. He had peace. So for us too, we will face situations that will challenge us. We'll face situations that we'll want to, but we'll remember that because we have Jesus, we have the Prince of Peace. 
it will not take God's peace away from us. We would continue to know that God loves us and that we can rely on his love for us. We cannot pray all troubles away. Can we pray all troubles away? Say, I pray that in my life I shall never have trouble. I pray in my life that everything will be going on well. You can't pray. It's not possible. I want to ask a question. Why is it not possible? Why shouldn't we be able to do that? Can I? Yes. Why shouldn't we be able to do that? I think, um, first of all, you're kind of praying against what Jesus has promised us. Because he already promised us that in this life we'll have tribulations, right? So if you're praying the opposite, that doesn't work. And he already established that we're in the world and it's a fallen world. So we have to go through most of the things that come with that fallenness. I like those two things he said. You know, you know the beautiful thing about following Jesus? He's not a deceiver. You know, some religions will tell you everything will be okay. Jesus does not tell people lies. He told us. In this world, you would have trouble. Some say you will have tribulation. Why? Because it's a falling world. The world is not a perfect world, and you cannot be immune. He says, I am not saying that you should take them from this world, but I'm saying that while they are in this world, Father, keep them. So if you are wishing that, you know, some people say, um, I used to tell a joke to my husband. When I, was, uh, when I first joined the bank as a very young person, I had this manager. I was, you know, the accountant, he was the manager. And um, when we close or we have a problem, I will go to him and I said, I will say to him, oh God, we have this problem. He will say to me, ah, ah, Mrs. Alu, must we always have problem? He will say that to me. So he's fond of saying that then he will not solve the problem. I will go back and solve the problem. I, will, I mean, those of us in the banking hall will find our way around it. So one day he said that to me again. So I told him, I said, Oga, that's why you are manager. When all of us are busy working back, posting ledger, doing cashier, you only sit in your, in your office. You, your, your duty is to manage problems. So manage this one today. So after that, he never used to send me back again. You see? You see, we, we forget that we are here. And there is no way you can sit back like that. My manager used to like to sit and say, let me have no problem. We should just balance. We have no customer problem. Everything should just be okay. You should sign off and go home. And then you'll be enjoying manager's salary. Uh -uh, it doesn't work like that now. You know, sometimes we think that's how this world is. But it's not like that. Jesus does not promise us. But he promised us one thing. Did he say he will leave us to our problems? Eh? He said, be of good cheer. I have done what? That is it. That's the difference. I used to tell somebody, do you know how nice, you know, oh, I always say it about my husband. When he, he likes watching football, eh? so he will watch, he watch the life. He will watch in the replay. And I'm like, you've watched the life. Why are you watching replay? You say, ah, in the replay, that's when there's no more tension, you know? You can now settle down see who scored what, see the technicality, see at what minute. Do you understand? You see, that's when the game is even more enjoyable. You see, and that is how it should be for us as believers. Do you get it? We're in a battle where we know what the end is. Why are we panicking? Why are we panicking? But my question is, is it easy? Uh -huh. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. When Jesus said to his disciples, let's go pray, wasn't he troubled? He said, my soul is troubled. Yes. Let's go pray. And doesn't that tell us that at times our peace can be threatened and he's showing us what to do when that happens? That actually we can face situations when we seem overwhelmed and our peace is threatened and we can do what Jesus did and he went to pray and the process of praying he was reassured by his father and he then had peace. I just thought maybe you should clarify that. True. We're talking about our covenant of peace. Nothing changes that covenant. It is your feeling at a point in time. It's just like God loves you. 
is a known fact. There are sometimes you don't feel loved by God. There are sometimes you feel abandoned by Him. Abi, sometimes you may even feel betrayed by Him. But that does that change the fact that He loves you? So sometimes you see this is ours. But sometimes we're in situations where we can't seem to relate with the fact that there should be peace. I mean, when you're sick, you are in pain, and God tells you, be at peace. Do you feel like that? You don't. But it doesn't change the fact that God has given you peace. When I'm praying, what am I doing? When I'm praying about things that God has established for me, I'm only bringing my mind and my spirit to relate and to agree with God's word for me. It's not that he changes it. So when I continue to pray and be in the presence of God, his peace will flood me. He'll bring my heart and my mind to come to that place to know that, yes, this is the truth. Because sometimes we must come there. So, we cannot pray all troubles away, but we can pray to the one who can surely handle them better than we can and turn them over to him so that we can experience peace. You know? Not only is he our peace, but he's the one who saves us completely. So when we get there, we don't panic. We turn to Christ with full assurance that God is my peace. And that I know that whatever this situation is, God will walk with me through until I am victorious. That's the difference with God. He's not a friend who abandons you halfway. When you get halfway, you say, this is too much. I beg you, you have to be on your own. No. He will walk it with us until we get you know, to where he wants us to be. So I'd like us to go quickly to see where we will talk, you know, these are practical things. Now, God admonishes us to live in peace, to relate with others in peace, and to pursue peace as much as we can. We ourselves, we should live in peace. We should relate with others in peace, and then we should pursue peace. So let's talk first of all about peace within and my question is, how can we be at peace within us? We'll look at, the, there are so many verses here, we'll look at these things that challenge peace. And then we, th we, we talk about it. Mark 4.19. Mark 4.19. Being at peace within us. Mark 4.19. Mark 4.19. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Um, let's just look at those things. The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things, those three things. How do they make us lose our peace? Those three things. I just want us to talk about them. Worries of life deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things. How do they make us lose our peace? I can personally talk about the worries of life because I can relate to that. Mm. And I can give like a blank example. As a young man growing up in, with parents like my parents, with a lot of responsibility, being the first child, and expectations from people around. And sometimes when you're not meeting up to that expectation and you're not keeping up to that responsibility, and you know, because obviously everyone self-reflects, and then you self and realize it, and then you see yourself somewhat as a failure, and you don't realize that the Bible says, cast all your worries and fears to me and then you then find yourself falling and falling and falling and falling into the rabbit hole and sometimes you can't like, you need help sometimes just pulling yourself out and yeah, that explains how you and yeah, that's why I can't, I can't explain the civil to wealth because I haven't seen wealth yet. <laughs> so, yeah. Praise the Lord. You know, worry. Worry. 
Worry is a terrible thing. Worry. Somebody described worry to me, and I'll never forget that illustration. He said, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps moving, but gets you nowhere. You know this rocking chair? You know, you're rocking it. You're moving. You're not moving anyway. That's how worry is. Your mind keeps racing back and forth, and you achieve nothing. And in the process of worry, what do you lose? Your peace. Christ said, how many of you, by worrying, can do what? Add what? You can't. Just, so it keeps you busy. Keeps you busy. And you know, sometimes it's so funny about the things we worry about. We even worry about things we ought not to worry about. Wealth. How does one that make us lose our peace? Eh? When you already acquire certain amounts, and you see, well, maybe let me say, we are top ten billionaires, and all of a sudden the stock exchange is shaking, and the thing is going down, he can he can kill. <laughs> you know, sometimes lack of money is worry. Too much money is worry. So you ask yourself, which one do you want? Abby, the poor man is worried. The rich man is worried. <laughs> Godliness with contentment is what? But we brought nothing into this world and we go with nothing. So sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we just worry. Then other things, I don't know what are the other things. How many other things, Abby? I have other things. I don't have a good job. I don't have a this. I don't have car. Um, uh, so many things we worry about. Even things that are not our business, we worry about. Have you seen people who are sitting in their house and are worried about their neighbor? Yes. The way this man is is always driving very fast. He will kill himself one day. It was your business. You know, we just worry. And maybe worrying gives us a sense that we are doing something when we are actually doing nothing. Let's look at the second one. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. The things that make us lose our peace. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you would eat or drink, or about your body, what you would wear. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? <clears throat> so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. So what are the things that I mentioned there, if we can remember? That food. Food, good. Clothes. What else? Drink. Drink. There are many things there now. Eh? Shelter, yes. What else? Even tomorrow is there now. Tomorrow, Abby. Uh -huh. Now, these things that they talked about, are they not important things? Food, clothes, shelter, are they not important? They are important. What does God say about those things? Before he says we should not, what did he say about them? He said he did what? He does what? He knows you need them. He knows, Abby? He knows you need them. 
He knows you need them. You don't have to tell him. He knows you need them. And he told us something. He said, look at the birds. Look at them. You know the birds are very funny. Some of us who have plants in our house, you plant something nice. The one that is the top, that is very ripe, that's the one they will sit there and eat. Even you, the owner, will not get it to eat. By the time you get it, they put the... Abby, they eat purple, they eat mango, they eat any... Abby, God provides for them. They don't plant. They don't do, do they plant anything. They just wait for you when it's ripe. God provides for them. He said, if I can do that for things that I don't even care about, how much more you that I care? He said, look, look at, look at, you know, you know, all of us like to use, use flowers to decorate our house. You see flowers come in all shapes and sizes. In fact, our sense of color and design, we take it from plants, Abby. We see colors. He said, I clothed them. By morning, the flower that was looking so nice, by evening, the head would be down. It could have dropped on the floor. And it's gone. And God takes time to give you that design. He said, how much more you? How much more you? So why do you sit there and all you do is worry? And even about tomorrow. Go say, leave tomorrow alone. Tomorrow is not your business. I will take care of tomorrow. These are the things that make us lose our peace. And in this covenant of peace that God has given us, the assurance for all these things are inside of it. Because if you read our team text, he says, I will prosper you. I will make your land. Is that not what he said in that thing? Because he's all embedded in this covenant of peace. And that's why if, I like this no pastor. He said, it's, it's wholesomeness. It's not just my mind is at rest. No. Everything is there together. Let's look at Matthew 10, 28. Some of the things that take away our peace. Matthew 10, 28. Okay. Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. One of the things that worry us again is that when you are sick in your body, is it not? It's a big worry for you. This sickness, I'm afraid. Something happening to you. Say, ah, I hope this thing is not uh, cancer. I hope it's not. You start thinking of imagining all the diseases of the world. Jesus said, don't worry about what can kill your body. Be more bothered about who can kill you and send you to hell. So as Christians, sickness should not even be a source of worry. It should not be. In fact, I was trying to look for the scripture today. I, I forgot to check it out. When Paul was talking to the church, I think he's in Galatians. I'm not sure, but I'll check it out. He said, when I came to you, I was sick in my body. He said, you did not despise me because I was sick. You still listened to me. And I imagined how many of us would be, because I'm sure whatever was wrong with him was such that the people could see it. But he still carried the gospel. He still carried the gospel. It was not a source of, it didn't make him lose his peace. So that, even that is not sufficient. Is not sufficient for us. And then finally, we take the last one, Romans 8, 31 to 39. The things that make us lose our peace. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Okay. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So we see nothing should take God's peace away from our lives. Nothing. Except we ourselves do not key into this covenant of peace. Is it trouble? Is it danger? Is it peril? It won't take God's peace away from our lives. We'll continue to have peace within. So that what the scripture talks about, the peace of God, a passeth all understanding. That's what it means. How, just like Pastor Mentor said, how people cannot understand why you can be at peace in this situation. But because you have the covenant of peace, you are so sure that God's love and your pro his promise for you is unwavering. Then you can always stay in that place of peace. Then the last one we are going to look at now is peace with others. It's good to say I have peace within me. Well, we have a covenant of peace. Am I able to live at peace with other people too? So the question is, is it possible to live in peace with others? Or is it possible to live in peace with some people, not with some people? How is it like? I just want us to talk about it. Is it possible to live in peace with others? Some people, all people, most people. What do we think? Eh? Let's, let's be very truthful. Praise God. Yes, sir. So, I think it's possible to live in peace with everyone, actually. Okay. Everybody. But it's just that you need to understand what that sentence means. So, there are, for you to live in peace with people, everyone, you need to understand that every people are different. Everybody is not the same kind of person. People are coming from different perspectives. So, you have to, by the grace of the Holy Spirit and the, the inspiration of our Lord Jesus Christ, understand how to manage people in such a way that you can live in peace with everyone is very it's very possible actually it just takes understanding okay yeah divine understanding actually and grace um i honestly <laughs> i don't think it's possible um but I think I like the verse. There's a verse that talks about living at peace as much as it depends on you. So like doing your own path because there's some people that would just be difficult no matter what. But on your own path, try to do your best to live at peace with them. One more opinion, then we can go through this on scriptures. Is it possible to live at peace with everybody, some people, most people? Or with all Christians? That's another perspective. Is it possible to live at peace with Christians, all Christians? Yes, somebody at the back is trying to say something. Give her the mic. Is it possible to live at peace with all men, some men, with all Christians? Praise God. Yes, sir. Um, in yes, my opinion, I think it's possible. And also, there are some people that you just need to avoid. Okay. <laughs> just to have your peace of mind. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay, let's, let's look at some of the scriptures, the way the Bible teaches us to do it. So, let's first look at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Okay. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Okay, good. Romans 12. 18. This one tells us to live in peace. Okay, go on. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, thank you. 14, 19. Mutual edification. Okay. So we are seeing, they say live in peace. As much as 
lies within you live we should do everything possible abby that's the third one we are reading okay first peter 3 9 to 11 not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing because to de to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing okay we'll talk to all of them psalm 37 verse 37 a future awake those who, who do what seek peace okay first corinthians 14 33 Media. First Corinthians. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Okay, and finally, Matthew 5 9. Okay, so now let's now answer the question again. Is it possible to live at peace with all men, some men, all Christians? possible it's possible okay how how is he going to put what are the steps we should take so the first step is to have it in your mind to live in peace abby it must be a mindset i used to tell people people say when we get to the bridge we cross it i say cross the bridge in your mind before you get there so you, you already make up your mind that i'll do what i will live in peace some people already have their mind that they will not live in peace if you greet me i'll greet you if you give me, I give it back to you. So, but if your mind is made up that I will live in peace, Abby, the second step will be that I will do everything in my power, as long as it's on my side, to live peaceably with my brother and with an unbeliever. Thirdly, I will make sure that when I'm in the house of God, Abby, I would I would I will make I will do things that create peace and harmony, Abby. Somebody said, that's my own mind though. I don't know how to keep my mind. As it comes to me, that's how I say it. I say, but the person you are saying it to, what if it hurts that person? Abi, if it's in my mind to look at you and feel that you are ugly, do I have a right to tell you, look at my dear, you are very ugly. <laughs> but that's how my mind is. Is it right? Is it right? No, I'm asking, is it right? <laughs> so you cannot say that me i can't pretend because that fact is your opinion abby it's not the truth the only thing you can speak to your brother bruntly is speaking the truth in love in love you understand yes so if my brother is in sin i should speak to him in love and say bro no this is not right you shouldn't have done this abby that is the truth in love but you are voicing an opinion and you are telling me that's how you feel in your mind it's not right so he says, in the house of God, we should do things that make for peace. Don't be the one causing trouble, disturbing the peace of the house all the time. When you come, they say, ah, yes, come again. Come and scatter everything they have just said now. No. Fourthly, he says to you, don't repay people the way they behave to you. Because these are things that make for peace. If he shouts at you, he shouts back. If he insults you, give it back. No, they don't make for peace. And the Bible says, when you do that, the Bible says you are blessed because we are what? You are a peacemaker. It will happen to you between you and your siblings. That's in your home. That happens between husband and wife. That brings peace, Abby. It happens between colleagues in the office. It brings peace. It happens in the house of God. It brings peace. It happens in the nation at large. It brings peace. So God expects us. We are in a covenant of peace. We have peace within us. We should also be able to put an aura of peace around us. People should see us and we should be like peacemakers, peace lovers. I'm not saying people who compromise. Is there a difference between compromising and being a peace lover? They are doing bad things and let me not say anything that they won't say mm -mm, that's not what i'm saying god wants us to be at peace 
And in conclusion, I say, often we forget there is a covenant of peace. Just like the Israelites before us, the ignorance of this covenant is the primary reason why believers struggle. Because you don't know that God has given you peace. You have peace. Christ is your peace. We'll be struggling. Instead of doing that, we should, we should allow the Prince of Peace to allow his, his peace to flood our hearts, no matter what the situation is, no matter where, what we are going through. God reconciled the world to himself through the Lord Jesus. Jesus became our peacemaker and our peace. And finally, I just want to end with this scripture that we have shared later. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Because Jesus himself is our peace, we can enjoy harmony and wholeness in our relationship with God and with others. When we recognize that Jesus is our peace, we can always have harmony. First, in our relationship with God and with people that we relate with. I just want us to bow down our heads. Maybe tonight, just as I also discovered while I'm making this study, there are some areas you have not allowed God's peace to rule your heart. I would like you to talk to the Lord about it and say, Father, help me to accept your peace in this area of my life. Or there are some areas you are not at peace with others because you have not allowed the word of God to guide your interaction with them. You may want to tell God tonight, Lord, give me wisdom. You can mention some people specifically if you think, no, I have not related well. Give me grace so that I will understand how to react and to relate in these situations. In Jesus' name, we'll pray. Amen.